Praise the Lord. Give someone a high five before you're seated. Well, if you're a woman, you'll be glad that you don't live in Pakistan and some of those places where you have to dress up in those hot garments like Anna was dressed up in tonight. You know, in so many parts of the world, women are oppressed. Gospel came to bring people to equality before the Lord. And so the gospel, wherever the gospel is truly proclaimed, women are brought into freedom. And uh, it's wonderful to have that freedom. Never, never take it for granted. Never take anything you have for granted. And uh, one of the things that uh, I was just really impacted, again, every time I see the multitudes, every time I see people and the desperate needs they have, my heart just goes out that something touches me every time. How many felt touched in your spirit, touched in your heart? You know, so often, see, what happens is, you know, over there, you know who the enemy is, except you can't tell when he's coming. You know, it's a terrorist. He's got bombs strapped on. I guess the reason they had two guys there with shotguns was if anyone came running forward with a knife or with bombs, they would open fire and gun them down. That's the reality. So there was a real risk there. And uh, make no mistake about it, they didn't have the guns just for decoration. There is a real risk when you go into these places. And uh, one of the things, and we're just going to touch on it tonight, but one of the things that's crucial to understand is the power of believing prayer to bring breakthroughs. And uh, one of the things that was not emphasized tonight, but which you need to understand, is that prayer undergirds what they do in that nation. They have uh, tremendous seasons of prayer. Prayer is what has given them the breakthrough. And of course, we look over there, all you hear about Pakistan and some of these other parts of the world is usually the negative news, the things that are going wrong. What you need to hear is the good news that no matter how bleak, how dark it is, God always is wanting someone to put their hand up and say, here I am, Lord, count me in. And it doesn't matter what part of the world you're in, whether it's India, Pakistan, China, or any of these places, God's still looking for someone who'll put their hand up and say, I'll be part of the answer. I'll, I'll go. Lord, send me. Now, we don't have to go to these nations, but God calls us to embrace nations, calls us to pray for them, to believe for them. But you don't have to go overseas to find Indians and Sri Lankans and Pakistanis and, and Islanders and people of every kind of kindred and tribe. They're here in our midst. God's wanting people that'll actually reach them, want people that'll reach those around us. I want to just share with you a few scriptures and uh, just uh, call us to really begin to embrace again our call to impact our own city, our own area. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and uh, verse 2 through to verse 4, and it says, uh, Paul is writing, it says, even after we suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you well know, we were bold in our God to speak you the gospel of God in much conflict. Notice he's saying we were really badly treated. Now, for some people in New Zealand to be badly treated is someone calls you names. Over there, in this situation of Philippi, they were thrown into prison and were beaten with many stripes and then locked up in a dungeon with their feet up in the air, salt water thrown over them, and that's what they were doing. They were doing that because they were preaching the gospel. He said, nevertheless, we were extremely bold in our God. And uh, he says, now, but this is what I want you to to is to catch his heart. He said, and our exhortation didn't come from error, uncleanness, nor in deceit. We have been approved by God. Now, listen, here it is here. We have been entrusted with the gospel. 
We have been entrusted with the gospel. Listen, you are here tonight. You are a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ, because someone who was entrusted with the gospel brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. Someone came to you and shared Jesus Christ. Someone paid a price for you to become a Christian. Someone paid a price for you to have a life in eternity and a destiny with God on the earth. Someone paid the price for that to happen for you. But once you have received Jesus Christ, you don't just receive eternal life. You become linked to a family of God with a commission to go into the earth and make disciples. You are entrusted with the Holy Spirit. How many people here tonight are born again? The Spirit of God is in you. There's a few here tonight. That's fantastic. Then you are commissioned by the Holy Ghost, entrusted with the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ will do in any man's life who believes. You have an entrustment of God. You don't have to go overseas to fulfill that entrustment. Right here, God wants you to put your hand up and say, I am entrusted with the gospel to share and to bring Christ to people who don't know him. That's what I'm called to do. Never make any mistake about of it. When we do ministries in the church, that's like the jobs around home. But the rest of your life is lived outside your home. It's lived outside in the world. God calls you to make a difference in someone's life. There is someone needs what you have. Don't take what you have for granted. When the team went over there, one of the things about the thing, because you can think, well, man, I don't have much. And this guy there, he's doing so many miracles and so many great things. But listen, we carry a life. We carry a vitality. There's warmth. There's love. There's knowledge inside of the Word of God. We carry something that's here that we can bring to other nations. We have something in our lives and in our midst we need to value immensely, not diminish it, but say this is what people need. We have what someone needs. You say, well, the problem is I've tried and it didn't work. Listen, don't be discouraged. At least they didn't set off a hand grenade in front of you. Maybe they just rejected you and told you to get lost when you tried to share with them. And I want to share with you just a couple of things here. And I want you to look with me in Isaiah uh, 42. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 6 and 7. We're not going to look at many verses. Just want to look at just two or three things. Here's in, in Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42. If I can find it here in the Old Testament, Isaiah 42. And this is what God is speaking concerning Christ the Messiah, concerning Jesus Christ, but it applies also to us because we are joined to him. We are his body. We represent him. We're his ambassadors. And if the ambassadors just live for themselves, then they don't realize they're missing their purpose in life. Interesting thing when you go to other nations. You know the amazing thing you find when you go to other nations and you bring the gospel? What I found everywhere I've been, you actually feel at home. It's the most extraordinary feeling because you go there. And of course, there's a lot of things are really, uh, really, I mean, there's smells you've never smelt before. And there's dirt and mess and often, uh, you know, human excrement and this, uh, just horrible stuff in the streets. You know, watch where you put your feet. There's stuff that you catch. There's stuff that you get involved in when you go overseas. But, you know, in the midst of it, you, you connect with people. And you, and you, you come to realize we, our citizenship's in heaven. We're, we're ambassadors to any part of the world where we are. Wherever you are, you're an ambassador there. I remember being in a place and the people were so poor in India and, and they were cast down and broken, but the joy that was in their face having the gospel 
and knowing they were set free from the worship, all these Hindu idols and gods, and to see people coming and responding to Jesus Christ. I've seen it among uh, the Chinese. I've seen it among the, the Indians. Shortly, I'm going to go up to Mongolia. I've never been up to Mongolia before, and I got a chance to go to Mongolia. I thought, why not? Why not? So I'm going to go up there. I don't know what. I'll meet up there. I'll meet sort of Mongolians, I guess. But you know what we'll find? I'll find that the love that we experience here will flow and touch them. We will hug them and weep with them and pray with them and deliver them and heal them and bring Christ to them. It's the same everywhere. But right now, in our own community, there are people who need to know Jesus Christ. And our challenge is to break through in our own area. I want you to read with me just a, a verse 6 and 7. He said, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. Come on, take this personally tonight. I, the Lord, have called you. God has called you. I will hold your hand. Whoa, means God's going to be with you. Helpful to remember everywhere you go. The Lord is with me. I will keep you. That means I'll protect you and watch over you. Most people are so consumed with fear and looking after themselves, they couldn't think of stepping out and doing anything risky because of the fear of what might happen. I remember we were up in, in uh, we're Nigeria, and I couldn't believe it with so many of the Americans, the fear they had. And we had armed guards there, people carrying AK-47s and shotguns and things. I didn't worry me. I was excited by it. Oh, there's a gun. Great, a gun. <laughs> but then, of course, it wakes on you that, that uh, there's a reason for the gun, and that is that people might shoot at you, and you'll need someone to shoot back. And uh, you think, oh, this is exciting. This is a bit of an exciting life, isn't it, eh? This is really exciting. But listen, what he, this is what he said. He said, I, Lord, have called you. I'll hold your hand. And so you always have a sense of the presence of God. I can remember standing on the roof of a building in India, and the whole place is rioting. And they said, don't go down on the streets. You'll get killed. He said, is that right? Really? But it's just me. I'm a nice person. Why would they want to kill me? He said, as soon as they see your white face, they'll be after you. They'll stone you, put you to death. He said, so don't go out there. Just like they were saying to the girls, don't look out the window. You'll set something off. And, uh, they, and they've got to listen to that kind of stuff. You need to not be brash or presumptuous when you go into places where there are real difficulties. But you do need to pray and listen to the Holy Ghost. And in the middle of it there, I'm standing on the roof and all this place is burning. And stuff's going on, it's rioting going on there. The Lord told me it's out of control. They're going to bring the army in. And if you don't get out tonight, you won't get out. I thought, ooh, ooh. That's interesting. And yet in the middle of it, I felt people praying. I suddenly felt this peace just come. I can't, under, I can't explain. The Bible says the peace of God which passes all understanding. And you're right in the middle of all this stuff. And instead of being afraid, you just... Oh, it's okay. It's going to be all okay. So how can you know that? It's the peace of God. Because if Jesus sent you to a place, he's there with you in it. You know, the worst thing is if Jesus sent you to a place and you didn't do what he wanted you to do, that is a dangerous place to be at. And you and I are sent to this area. We're sent to Hastings, Napier, this region. We are sent here. The most dangerous thing for you to be in, a place for you to be in, is to know and understand God sent you to make a difference and you haven't stood up to pray and begin to stand for Christ where you are. That puts you in harm's way. Many believers are in harm's way and they're directly in harm's way because they haven't embraced 
what Jesus called us to do, stood up in the place of prayer and began to work out how to prevail over the atmosphere and the things that come around them. And if you don't learn how to do that, it comes over you. That's why so many Christians live a weak life where they're overcome with sin and bondage. They haven't embraced I am called. Look what Jesus said here. I'll help you. I'll be with you. Don't, it's not, you, don't complain how bad the school is. Hey, hey, God is with you. He's here with you. Look what he says. He said, and I will keep you and I will give you. I will give you. I will give you as a covenant to the people. Now listen, it's all very well to pray for God to do it. He wants to give you to people. You know what that means? You must be present and engaged. You've got to get involved with people. That's the only way the gospel advances is if we turn up and front up and make our presence felt in a variety of ways and engage with people, connect with them, relate with them, talk with them, interact with them. I remember coming into Hastings when I first came here, going down there and there's this guy standing on the street there and he's got a a Bible in his hand and away he's there preaching. And I thought, well, that's an interesting fellow there. I'll go up and talk to him. He didn't want to talk. And I thought, What kind of weirdness is this? That you would stand and shout the gospel and you don't connect with people? I don't think you've got the gospel. I think you missed it. I think you've got a heap of religion. See, Christ came to meet people, engage with people. He says, I will give you. Now, God is still looking to give us to people. He wants you to open your heart to engage. As we've sent people out, you know, the thing they always have before they go is fear what will happen. And uh, then when they get out there, you know what they find? They find, I don't want to come home because God gave them as a gift to the people. And it wasn't all you could do and all you knew. It was actually that you just gave your heart and your love and whatever you had to people. It's what makes the difference. It's why I can take a group from almost any area of the church, get them to, to, to rise up and come together, and when they go, there'll be a blessing everywhere they go in the world. It's just because it's what you have. You've got to give yourself. You have to give yourself. You've got to give yourself. For some people, all you can do is look at people, feel compassion and love them, and they feel Jesus touch them with compassion. See, it's not about being able to know and do all these things. He said, I will give you. As they come into the people, as a light to the Gentiles. Now listen to what he wants you to do. He wants you and me to do this. To open the blind eyes. That sounds awfully hard. To bring the prisoners out of prison, those who sit in darkness, out of the prison house. This is what Jesus has called us to do. To open the blind eyes, bring people out of prison, get them out of the prison house. In other words, what God's saying is this. When you walk out into the community, God is making you a gift to this community. We are a gift to the community. We are a blessing to the community. You are a gift. And the purpose of God giving you, see, God so loved, He gave His Son. Now, what does it mean He gave His Son? Jesus turned up and got connected to people. And He brought the power of heaven into earth. See, so God wants to give you to people. Why? Because they can't see eternal realities, they're blind. He said, they're in a prison house, prisons of sin, addiction, hurt, grief, despair, pain. You walk by them every day. The first thing I did when I came to Hastings, and we had just so few people and lots of debts, and I didn't know what to do next, the Lord said, walk around the city center. And every day, I would walk around the city center, and I would pray. Friday nights, I would go out, and I would walk around that main city center area praying. 
and I would look into the faces of people until finally there came into my heart a deep sense of love and belonging to Hastings. I have to look at the people and see the despair, to watch. I walk past the clubs, walk past the pubs, walk, past, walk up and down and round and round and round and round in praying. And God began to cause a deep love for people to form into me. I wanted to go live out of Havelock. He said, no, I don't want you to live there. I want you to live in the city and identify with the city. I'm giving you for the city. Come on. That's how God works. And now, you see, for you, now maybe your calling and your placement and positioning is different, but nevertheless, it's always the same. I am with you. I have called you. I will help you. I am giving you to people to open their eyes so they understand spiritual reality, to get them out of the prison of darkness, of sin and demonic bondage that they're in. You say, whoa, that sounds pretty hard. Well, I'll show you one key that's an important part of it. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4, it says, The God of this world has blinded the eyes or minds of those who do not believe in the gospel. Now, listen to that. The God of this world has blinded the minds. So when you, when you see people tomorrow, when you walk out and look around, and as you begin to meet people and you know they're not Christians, I want you to think that person's a blind person. I'm meeting a blind person. There's another blind person. There's another blind person. There's another. That person's in prison. They're in prison. Have a look into their eyes. You know, you know when you look there, one of the things you notice about the Pakistani people and Indian people, all the same, when they come to Christ, it's like there's a light in their countenance and face. And when they're not in Christ, you see that, that, that mullah, you see the darkness that's over him. He's truly in darkness, a spiritual darkness. And the Bible says the God of this world, that's a spiritual power, has blinded the minds of people that don't believe. Now, this is what you need to understand about that. Demonic powers hold people in bondage. They can't see that word to blind means to blow smoke around them and envelop them with smoke so they can't see. It means to lift someone up in pride so that they're blind to what's going on in front of them. Now, that is the condition of unsaved people. They just can't see. How many of you witnessed to someone and it's like their IQ dropped, what was simple to you seemed to be complicated and unreasonable to them because the mind was in the grip of a demonic power. And so Jesus has called us to open the eyes of the blind not just physically, to open the spiritual eyes so people come out of darkness and into light. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that does it. But listen, I want to just draw your attention to one story, and I want to show you an important key that's behind it. Because all of us have stepped out and tried at various times, and you get set back, you get rejected, you get these knockbacks. Don't quit, don't give up. Let me just show you something that, uh, that uh, is, uh, something the Lord just dropped into my heart just uh, today as I was meditating in Scripture. Why don't you just, and we'll finish here in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. How many can identify, man, I've tried hard with some of my friends and, oh, brother, this is just so bad. You know, it's so hard. It seems so hard. How many have found that? How many of you invited them to something and it was so hard? Huh? Come on, somebody, lot of you didn't put your hand up at all. So that means you're AWOL. You know what an AWOL soldier is? It's a soldier who's called to, to, to service and to duty, and they just went off the battlefield and just took off for their own thing. You know what they usually do with some in a time of warfare? They shoot them. Huh? They shoot them. And what happens if you've got the whole church and the majority are AWOL? 
See, God holds then responsibility for the city in our hand. You're called. You're part of a great church. You've got to actually take hold of what God has given you and learn how to stand up into it and begin to multiply what God has given you. I want to just show you a, a tremendous key. Now, here's it. We saw how Jesus called us to, to open the eyes of the blind and to set people out of the prison house. And I want to show you a simple scripture here, and this undergirds getting people out of prison. And here's a story about a man who was in prison. And verse 3, because it uh, saw, and he killed. This is what, uh, what uh, Herod did. King Herod killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he sought pleased the Jews, he proceeded to further seize Peter also during the days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And when he'd arrested him, he put him in a prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers. That's 16 soldiers assigned to one man. 16 Roman soldiers assigned to one man to hold him in bondage. And it says there, verse 5, Peter was kept in prison. Now here's a man, he's kept in prison. Now I want this, there's about six things that, he, that, that were put against him to hold him in prison, but nevertheless he got out. And I want to see what it was that got him out. This is an impossible situation. Perhaps some of the people you look at are impossible, but look there up on that screen, there's a guy who killed people and ate their hearts and he's given his life to Christ. I was with one up in a Bible school in, uh, in uh, Indonesia, and he'd been there, and he'd killed all kinds of Christians, and there he was, and he'd given his heart to the Lord. And now he's in a Bible school, and he's wanting to serve Christians. What a massive deliverance he had. Whoa, that was great, that one was. You can imagine. Okay, now look what happens here. It says, now Peter was therefore kept in prison. I want you to think now of the people you know who are blind spiritually and in a prison, a bondage, caught up with all kinds of problems and issues, and somehow it seems impossible to reach them no matter how hard you try. Let me show you what they did. And this is one of the key ingredients. Not the only one, but a key ingredient. It says here now, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The end of verse 12, many were gathered praying. Now notice this what it says. They persisted in passionate prayer. They stood in prayer. Why do they stand in prayer? There's absolutely no hope. He is going to die. Herod had killed James, and that was a shock to the church. And now Peter has been captured for 16 soldiers, I got a hold of him, got him locked up. He is going to die. The only thing that can save him is an intervention of the power of God. They can't storm the prison. They can't do anything to break him free. They can't buy him out. The only thing that will get him out is if the power of God works a miracle. And maybe you know someone and they're locked in bondage, spiritually blind. They need the power of God to set them free. And it doesn't just happen. Someone's got to pray. Someone's got to get involved. And these people prayed and they prayed and they kept up their praying. They would not quit. Do you love the people you know who are locked up enough that you will pray and not quit. Not quit when it looks so difficult. Not quit when the prison seems locked so tight. Not quit when they seem so resistant. That's what God needs. 
Someone who won't quit. Won't quit. I tell you, someone who didn't quit on me. And it says here, it says now, when Herod was about to bring him out that night, so this is the day he's going to come out and be killed. The night before. Peter was sleeping. He's fast asleep. Well, I'm glad he can sleep knowing he's going out and being killed tomorrow. That's pretty good, isn't it? Look at this. Look at I want you to see about, there's about six things. He was bound with two chains between soldiers. First thing was they had him wrapped up in chains and they got a soldier on either side. Now, it's very hard to set someone free who's got a soldier on either side of him. Next thing you notice here, it says the guards were before the door keeping the prison. So not only have a soldier on either side of it inside the cell and was chained up, also they had a door that was locked and they had two guards outside. That is really, really difficult. I mean, you'd need to have a real, well, even if you tried to get him, you wouldn't get him, would you? Took out the two guards on the outside. The time he broken the door down, the other two would have killed him. It's like God's telling us this was impossible. Now, it goes, it goes even further now. It says, Now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison and struck Peter on the side, and he raised him up saying, shh, 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 get up, get up, get up. And the chains woof, fell off his hands. And the angel said, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And he didn't follow him. And he didn't know what was done by the angel. Is this real or am I having a dream? It's a good dream, though. Then he went, now notice here, he went past the first and second guard post. Now look at this problem. Look out. Look how tight they got him wrapped up. They got one on either side. They got chains around. They got the door locked. Two other soldiers out here. Then they've got another guard post. And then another guard post. Then a city gate. Now that is impossible situation. And that is where many of your friends are at. There are demonic assignments against them. They are chained in bondage to rejection or fears or lust or loneliness, abandonment, alcohol, sexual uh, relationships, whatever. They're, they're held by these things. Chained up, demonic assignments around them. The door is locked. It's impossible to get them out, except we pray. And notice what happened here. As they prayed, they prayed. Constant prayer was offered to God for him. And then what happened was supernatural. When the church begins to pray strongly and in a committed way, angels are released to engage the enemy and bring releases in people's lives. Most people, the only angel they want to see is the one to kind of come around them and, and appear to them. And that's wonderful if that happens. Absolutely wonderful, make no mistake about it. But I want to see angels that are released to set people free. Healing angels, delivering angels, mighty powerful angels that unlock the prison doors, that bypass the guards. Can you imagine what they all felt the next day when the city gate Notice he went out, he went out through, he got, the chains broke off and the guards were, they never saw a thing. The door opened up, the guards never saw a thing. He walked out past the first guard post, they never saw anything. Then past the second guard post, they never saw anything. Got to the main gate, the main gate swung open. Then he goes out, the gate swings shut behind him. There he is. Can't hardly believe what's happened. What happened was supernatural because someone prayed and believed and was not content to leave him in prison. People had a heart burning that he would be free. You are given as a gift to the city, to some part of the city. 
maybe to a classroom, it may be to a neighborhood, maybe to a business. You are given as a gift to that. There are people that are blind and in bondage, and part of God giving you is that you would give yourself. Give yourself to the Lord, first of all. Lord, I'm available. Then give yourself to prayer, to praying day after day. Listen, I was in bondage. I was raised in a Roman Catholic. I went through the local school, Marist Brothers over in Napier, St. John's College locally here. I was embedded in it. My family background was from it. We had priests and nuns and brothers and whatever in our family background. Our family fortune all went to the Catholic Church, all kinds of things. I was, we were steeped in it. But there was a woman who prayed. It was a friend of Joy's mom. When Joy's mom got really concerned because her daughter's dating a Catholic and they had an issue with Catholics, uh, then she, she went to her friend, May. And Auntie May was a prayer. She was an intercessor. And she got into praying and she prayed for me. Now, she did not stop praying for me. She prayed day in, day out, every day, year after year. And then suddenly one day, the train broke off me I said, I've had enough of this thing. I'm out of it. God, it's you I want. Supernatural. The day I got married, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I supernaturally encountered. And you know, this is what, this is what happened. One day, Joy's mom went to Auntie May, and May said, you don't have to be worried anymore. I have assurance from God. He will be saved. And I was went way beyond what they ever thought, Aunty May would be proud. Say, <laughs> so, Aunty May will be proud. So, but, but you see, for me to get out of that prison of religion and the bondage and everything that I was in, someone believed the prison could not hold me, the chains could not hold me, if they would pray and not stop. God sent other people to witness to me, to share with me. Various people got brought into my life. And then eventually there came a point where I just made the decision and that was it. You have friends who need Christ. God has called you, Isaiah. He has called you. He said, I will hold your hand. I will help you in this task. But I'm not going to do it without you. And that classroom of friends, those classroom of people, that, that school, that community, that area, it's not going to change unless you will let me help you and you will give yourself to this. I want to give you. So you give yourself to me and I will give you to the community. I will give you. And I want you to give yourself to prayer and look for ways you can build relationships, connections, that when that moment comes, you are able to bring that person to Christ. You may bring them to a meeting. You may bring them into a home group. You may bring them to some event. You may, or you may just lead them to the Lord where you are. That's even better still. But it's a combined thing that we do. But the key of it is, I must understand, I am called to this. I am a gift to this city. I know it. Jesus told me. He said, I've sent you to the city. And I'm here till the day I die. Unless he says something different. You've got to understand that God calls you and, and He gives you. He gives you. It's not your gifts. Gifts, you can't separate you from your gifts. Can't separate you from your personality. Can't separate you from, from your experiences and who you are and what you've been through. He knows all about that. You can't sort of, He doesn't sort of pull that out. He wants a person 
to represent him. Someone who's real. Not someone perfect, complete, gifted, talented. Just someone who's real that says, Lord, here am I. I've heard you call me. And Lord, you can count on me. I will begin to pray. Now, you don't know how to pray? Good. Go find someone that can teach you how to pray. And get a hold of them and say, I want you to teach me to pray. I want you to help me to pray. I want you to encourage me to pray. I want you to show me how to pray. And I want you to ensure I pray. I want to get to pray. Because there's people depend on me to get out of prison. If you're the only Christian in that workplace, you're the one God sent. If you're the only Christian in that classroom, you're the one God sent. Make no mistake, if you don't stand up and take your place, there will be some spiritual terrorist will take you out. You get sidetracked off your destiny and your course. Your course is whatever God's placed you in, whatever class, do your very best in there. Stand out as a person. Do your very best. Grow the most you can. But do not lose the opportunity to name people and pray for them and believe God that He will release supernatural power to unlock their mind, and suddenly they see. Now I see, before I couldn't. What made the difference? Someone prayed, and someone came to me and showed the love in the heart of God. Will you be that person for someone else? That's what the entrustment is God has given you. Let's close our eyes right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you tonight. We feel so challenged as we see the bigness of harvest in other nations and how people there are so hungry because they have so little. And we realize we're being seduced by the wealth and the ease of the West to the point where all we can think about is getting more things and it's all about me, me. Hermit Lord, something's rising up in us. A sense of purpose and vision that we were called for bigger things than this. Lord, we come to you tonight and say, Lord, I'm hearing you speak to me. I will give myself to you. Then I'll give myself to prayer. And then I'll give myself to people. Lord, tonight I make that commitment. Perhaps there's someone here tonight, and you're not a Christian yet, never given your life to Jesus. What a great night to give your night to the Lord, life to the Lord. Jesus said, to whoever received him, he gave power to become a child of God. To everyone who believed and put their trust in him. That's all God's calling you to do tonight, is respond to the love he showed you in sending Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. There's no way that a person can come to relationship with God, or get into heaven, or walk with God, except they personally commit to Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Is there anyone here tonight that's saying, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to become a Christian. Quickly raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. So that's me. God's speaking to me tonight. Anyone here tonight? Anyone here tonight that says, I want to give my life to Jesus? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to the Lord. The emptiness in your life, that emptiness is caused by no, there's no presence of God there. You say, Lord, tonight I want to give my life to you. Perhaps there's some of you tonight and you, you just you realize you're just a slacker at the moment. You realize, man, I'm doing nothing. I really actually need to stir up and begin to start to activate my life to make a difference. Well, it starts by just giving yourself to the Lord. I wonder tonight if there are people, you felt the challenge of God tonight. Perhaps you felt God challenge you and speak to you. 
You know, I looked at Anna when she was dressed with all that burqa. Not when she was up on the stage before that, when it was all covering her face and her eyes. And I thought that's so like what it is to be lost. Covered over. Veiled. And I looked at her and I know her very well. And yet, felt like a complete stranger. Because of the veils and the coverings that were there. That's what the covering and veil of darkness does to people. And you're called to set them free. I wonder tonight if people that you felt God speaking to you tonight, that you were born for something bigger than what you're in. You're born to make a difference in the lives of someone. And you feel God tonight just calling you to give yourself afresh to Him and to give yourself to praying. Just get with someone else and say, why don't we pray for our class? Why don't we pray for our friends? I'm gonna, we're going to begin to pray. We're going to pray firmly. We're going to keep it up every day. We're going to name them, bring them to the throne of grace. We're going to see them saved by faith. And we're not going to quit until that person's made a response to Jesus Christ. If you feel God saying to you tonight, I want you to present yourself again to me. And I want you to make yourself available to pray, available to connect with people. Why don't you come out of your seat tonight, just make your way to the front, lift your hands, worship the Lord, and present yourself to Him right now. Say, Jesus, I hear you calling me. I hear you calling me. I look at my life, I'm doing nothing to reach people, nothing to gather people, nothing to touch the lives of anyone. Lord, tonight I feel you calling me to respond. Perhaps tonight you're just feeling afresh the call of God to do that. Why don't you come and just lift your hands, build an altar before the Lord. Say, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Come on, let's do that right now. Everyone stand. Everyone stand. People, you know God's speaking to your heart. Make your way forward. Just make your way forward. Just come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Just say, Jesus, I know that you've called me. Lord, I'm feeling the stirring in my spirit. I'm feeling your burden, your heart for people. The first thing I, I want to do is give myself to you. In giving yourself to the Lord, you begin to catch the Lord's heart. To give yourself to the Lord means to, to come into connection with Him, begin to worship Him, begin to listen to His words, begin to get in a, build a devotional life with Him. You're giving yourself to Him each day. Today, Lord, I give myself. You're presenting yourself daily to Him. And then he begins to put people in your heart to pray for. Come on, begin to pray for that person strongly and consistently. And then today as you go out, you find God saying, why don't you go over to that person there and talk with them? You begin to feel God's presence coming around. Come on, there's more tonight. I need to respond. Jesus is looking for people that would make a difference. People who would say, I'll make a difference. Listen, it doesn't matter how grand the experience you have with God. The bottom line is whether that experience moves you to do the things Jesus called you to do. Father, we just thank you right now for that fresh call to harvest, fresh call to souls, fresh call to touch the lives of people. We thank you, Lord, that your anointing comes on those who will say yes to you. Lord, tonight we say yes. Tonight we say yes. Come on, let's just worship him. Musicians, I just build up in the atmosphere a little. Let's just worship him. How great is our God. Lord, you're an awesome God. And tonight as we lift our hands to you, we say, what an awesome God. What a great God. 